Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. So we're talking about following Jesus and we're looking at within that following Jesus, what it looks like to follow Jesus. We're talking about... um, this idea of led to change that Sai started last week, and it's always horrible following Sai because Sai is so good at speaking that I, I don't really enjoy following him. It's better to go before him. I uh, set it up, and he kind of just does the next bit after that, okay? Um, but I have to follow him this week. Um, and he talked about last week, and look how good this is. I wasn't even in, and I know what he talked about last week, okay? So that, that, that's obviously a level of my gifting to be able to perceive through walls, right? When nothing to do with the fact that Sai sent me all his notes or anything like that. Um, but he talked about last week the idea of the, um, Jesus going to the Samaritan woman at the well and the kind of whole multi-layeredness of that, of that story and the idea that it's not just Jesus bringing a, a word of knowledge to a woman that, that set her free and then went back and told her village what Jesus had told her and then everyone got kind of saved and whatever it may be. As much as that is cool. That is part of it. That is cool. But it's more than just that. And the idea that you've got this kind of multi-layered idea of Jesus being the bridegroom and, um, and him coming to woo again those who have perhaps moved away from him and coming to, to kind of attract and draw those who come away. And the woman and the interaction between Jesus and the woman, that being kind of almost encapsulated in that, that interaction that she's had multiple husbands before and the one that she's with now is not even a husband. And the idea that Jesus is coming to be that husband, to be, to be that bridegroom and do that kind of wooing and, and, and drawing in and the idea as well that um, the symbolism between between the wo- Jesus saying to the woman that, that look you you worship what you do not know um, and the idea that the, the language similarity between Genesis 28 and kind of Jacob's well and saying look God is in this place and I didn't even know it so the idea that, that God was in the place with the Samaritan woman he, he was in Samaria and in the context of that that the, the Jews saw Samarian, sorry, Samaritans as kind of mixed and kind of not not to be associated with, yet let alone a woman who is a Samaritan. And therefore yet Jesus came and, and said, look, God, God's in this place. And the idea that God is in a place where people are, are seen as out. That God's in a place where people are seen as excluded. That, that, that you're not right, yet God is in that place. And the beauty of that, that, that Jesus said, look, you don't have to go somewhere else to get in. He's here now. Because I am here now. He is here now. Um, and the idea that Jesus... Jesus goes to those outer places and brings inclusion and brings reconciliation and brings saying, look, he wants you, he loves you, he wants to woo you and bring you back into this intimate relationship. Um, and he may not have said this, but I'm going to, it's off his notes and I like the line. Um, but he talked about, so I talked about the fact that, that there's, we know that God, God is everywhere. We know that God is everywhere. Um, but there's like pockets of points where, where, there's almost a breakthrough in that place, like the well talks about there. There's a breakthrough, a pocket point there, um, and that idea of pockets, that idea of points where something happens, is what I want to pick up this morning. Because I really believe that that God wants to shift in our mentality things that, that He's starting to do by showing us certain things. And therefore, I want to just kind of talk through some of that this morning because it's Him opening our perception up so that we kind of are expecting things that we perhaps wouldn't have expected before. And this idea of being led to change, the change ultimately, as Sai was talking about last week, starts in our perception of situations. It starts in the way that we see situations, that when that changes, the situations start to change even when we weren't expecting them to. Um, so, I, I, um, in our family, we have very, very 
almost cast iron, never, never to be changed divide between those who sleep like a rock and those who have incredibly prophetic, vivid dreams. Um, me and Zachary sleep like rocks and probably never, never had a prophetic dream in our life. Um, Susie and Levi, almost constantly, okay? They, they, they constantly have these dreams and it's, it, it's amazing, but it's very, very distinct that I will not wake up no matter what. Crying baby, screaming toddler, whatever it may be, I will be asleep. I'm out. As soon as my head hits the pillow, I'm gone. Okay? Um, there are points in our marriage where it was speculated that that was pretending. It was not pretending at all. Um, it was genuine. I don't hear. I just don't hear. I'm gone. Um, and I wake up in the morning and I'm completely... Um, <laughs> I'm completely oblivious to what's going on during the night. Um, I have no idea at all. Um, but what's interesting is, Zach, is Zachary's exactly the same. Zachary is is out. When he's asleep, he's asleep and will wake up then in the morning, early, but he'll just wake up in the morning. And Wes Levi is much more kind of a light sleeper like Susie and much more kind of, I suppose, in that, in that time, much more sensitive and aware to some of the kind of things that dreams and stuff that God speaks to him in. But also sometimes on the negative side, there's sometimes things he picks up that aren't of God but are disturbing for him during his sleep. Um, but the interesting thing is I found myself in the last few weeks, Few, few days, the one who sleeps, sleeps genuinely like a rock, having more dreams. And God really, I don't know whether it's the twilight zone of, of what it was, but in that kind of point between awake and asleep, when you're kind of drifting off to sleep, uh, which doesn't actually take me very long, so we're talking probably like the space of a couple of minutes, uh, that this is happening. But I really felt, God, I remember when I was a kid, I, I was growing up, and this is significant to the one about to share. When I was a kid, about 13 or so, I, I was in France on holiday. And I had a real enjoyable time just kind of getting to know God. And it sounds strange when you put it like that, but it really was. It was kind of a breakthrough point in my walk with God. It became more intimate. And it became something that wasn't just when I went to church and heard about, but it's somebody that I knew. And I remember one of the really distinctive things about that time was this idea of, of, of God being on the throne um, and me being on his knee and being intimate with him on his knee. And it, and it was something that kind of carried me through a lot of stuff in my teenage years, kind of that point of intimacy, knowing that, that, that I'm intimate with you and I know you and I sit with you and I come and unload on you and I am come and be encouraged by you in that place of intimacy. And it was beautiful and, and, and it was so significant. Up till even now, I'm 32 years old now, that was 20 years ago, it still has a significant impact on me almost nationally, no matter what, that's my place of intimacy, that's my place of safety, that's where I go to. Um, but I was in this kind of twilight zone between awake and asleep and... I was there and I really felt God sort of come, not, I don't want to make it sound deeper than it is because it wasn't, but just a sense that God came by my bed and hugged me. I was lying on my bed, by my bed and hugged me. And that sounds lovely, it sounds beautiful and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't like that, I actually felt the presence of God come in the room or anything dramatic like that, but just a sense, an imagination, a thought, God coming and just being like, yeah, okay, I'm here. And it sounds bizarre, but it changed something in me because I was like, man, that's so true, that's what you do, isn't it? That that is what Emmanuel is. That's who Jesus is. That Jesus didn't have this sense of, and it was beautiful for me, but it wasn't a sense of that I go to a throne room or I go to a place and I encounter you there. As much as that ministered to me and brought me safety and, and encouragement and strength, but actually you come right to where I'm at. That that's what happens. That Jesus came to earth. He left heaven and came to earth. He came to the place where people were. We've talked about so much the woman caught in adultery that Jesus was in the dirt with her he wasn't even at a place where he goes right the woman goes if I can get to Jesus over there I'll be fine but he was right where she was there in, in that space the G 
Jesus walked the streets. He went to people's homes. He, he asked Zacchaeus to come and bring him to his home. That he came to the places where people were at. And in that moment, in that twilight zone, it was like God said, look, I come exactly where you are. But there's not a distinction. There's not a kind of, you need to come to church or you need to come to this or even just come to your, the room in your house where you normally spend time praying or studying and stuff. But I come wherever you are right now. And that is not meant to be the most profound thing in the world, but, but sometimes things happen in it and it just, it's such a God thing that, that it shifts your thinking and it moves something in a way you think, I didn't even realise I thought that there was that, but it just almost broke in and confirmed it again. That God, you come exactly where I'm at, don't you? And it's a profound moment and I really want to, pick up that idea because that's what Sai started talking about last week that he went to Jesus went to the Samaritan woman the woman who was out the people who were out and he went to where they were at he didn't and I'm jumping all over the place here but never mind the batch is going to go on this so it'll be quite helpful geography teacher so there's always maps it has to be maps isn't there okay right so Jesus was in Judea I'm about around here somewhere okay he was going, I can't reach it, up to Galilee at the top. There. Okay. He said he needed to go, in John 4 it says that he needed to go by Samaria to a specific place, and I'm not going to pronounce this right, called Sidechaw, whatever the heck it's called. Okay, that place just there. Okay. The interesting thing is, you probably talked about this, but I'll say it anyway, is if you look, that is a fairly obvious route, yeah? The dotted line is the road, okay? But Jewish people would never do that because Samaritans were, uh-uh, you don't go through there. It's like going through the bad part of town, okay? It's late at night, you don't go through that part of town because you'll get stabbed or you'll get beaten up or something terrible like that, okay? Again, it's a stupid pre predisposition, but we think that, okay? Similar kind of mindset, okay? So they would go this way around. No, no they go around. And yet Jesus said in John 4, Therefore, when the Lord, blah, 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 uh, verse 4, John 4, 4, says this, but he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. Why did he need to go through Samaria? Because he needed to meet this woman. That Jesus is, is so caught by us that he goes out of his way to meet with us she didn't have to come to him and I know there's accounts in the scripture where that happens okay I'm not saying that doesn't happen I'm not saying there's not points in our lives where we go I just need to go to here and I'm not obviously not doing it in church and all that kind of stuff but catch the heart of God in this that, that she didn't have to go to him he needed to go to her that God sent his only son into the world because he needed to be with people he needed to demonstrate the heart of God in that very statement just saying look I'm Emmanuel I come to be with you mm. and the beautiful thing is that he comes close and he goes out of his way to meet with her and to change something and he didn't have to go that way the, 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 the disciples were put out by the fact he'd gone that way. They didn't want him to go that way. It's like your mum or your dad going, right, don't go through that part of town late at night because you know it's not safe, okay? And then you, 
you tell them you went through that part of town and they go absolutely mad because you're like, why did you go through that part of town? Why did you drive there at that time of night? I used to do it all the time. There's areas in Leicester when I was growing up that my mum and dad said, please don't go through that part when you're coming back home. Do it every single time. Every single time. Not because I mean disobedient, because it's quicker. It was quicker to get home, okay? Got pulled over by the police a lot in that part of town, but anyway, still did it. Um, not because I did anything wrong, just a note. I wasn't, I wasn't breaking the law, but just because it was driving through that part of town. The point is, he, he went that way. He went that way. He went out of his, out of his way to go and meet with them. If you just go to Mark 5, we're going to jump around a lot today because I can feel it already. We're already starting to jump. Mark 5, we talked about this a few weeks ago when I went before Sai, not after Sai. It was a much more comfortable time. Um, Mark 5, verse 1. Jesus has just been across the Sea of Galilee, okay? And you can see Galilee up a bit, the sea at the top there, okay? Um, and he's just been across. And we talked about the fact he, he, he went across and he, he, he calmed the storm in the sea, blah, blah, blah. And he got across and he met a, a, the, the man that's demon-possessed. He met him on the other side. Um, and just to show the context of this, Jesus was here. And does this. Okay? Do you notice a lot of the movement is up in this top part here? But he did this. Okay? And then he left again. Right? Bear in mind with, the, with this guy, he went across, saw a guy that had been demon possessed, it was cast out. So, again, in that community, he was cast out, he was chained up, he was, he was excommunicated, whatever you want to put it. He, he was put in a, in a cave in a graveyard. This is not a kind of, oh, that's a nice guy for my daughter or my um, friends who wants to get married. He's like some guy that don't want anything to do with it. He's gone mad. He's cutting himself. He's shouting. He's screaming. He's the kind of crazy guy that no one wants anything to do with. Jesus goes across the Sea of Galilee. Okay? <coughs> Gets to the other side. Sees him set free. It talk, talks about it in Mark 5. And then the people come to Jesus and tell him to go away. So Jesus went all the way across. Does one thing and is told to go away. And so goes away. But he, he did all that for one person. He went for that one person. Because his heart is, I need to go there. I need to go to that point. He needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go to this point here. Now, I'm not going to do what side is because I'm not that way inclined and I wouldn't want to copy it. But there's layers to this, okay? But I want you to catch this layer, that he went there because he needed that to see, meet that person. Because following Jesus, or doing what he was called to do in that moment in time, was go, to go there. It was to go through Samaria. It was to do those things because he was bringing himself to those points. Just jump a little bit further up in Mark, and go to Mark 5, verse 21. Just after this, so he's left, he's left, and he's gone away again, after just seeing one person met and ministered. Verse 21, talks about, it's the story of Jairus' daughter and the woman with the issue of blood. I want to just pull one thing out of this. That Verse 21 says this, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and, um, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So Jesus is going 
at the response or the request of this guy. He's just come across and his, his movement is almost not being dictated to by his predetermined will, if you want. It's him responding to the, the, the request of somebody. Okay. Then it says in verse 24, so verse 25, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and has suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came before, behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body as if she would be healed of her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing that in himself, the power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who had touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he, the more I read about the disciples, the, the more I just realised that I, I can do what they did, because they really are not the smartest guys in the world. Anyway, beside the point. And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the, the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that he that, so knowing what happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has been... Made, has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was sp- st- they were speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead, why trouble the teach any further? So Jesus has been requested by Jairus to go to his, his house and, he, and he's following that request. But on the process of going to that journey, he's been caught by somebody else requesting of him. Notice the fact that Jesus is so confident, so secure in what he's called to do that he can give time to love the one in front of him. Because ignore the fact he's the ruler of the synagogue, ignore any status attached to him. Someone's requesting him to do something. Can you imagine the pressure to when someone said, can you come and just pray with my family for this please and, you, and, and you're on your way to do that but something else happens and you deal with that thing and in the process of dealing with that thing, they die mm. just remove the fact that it's Jesus for a minute you imagine that you said you'd come and pray, you said you'd come and help, you, you said you'd come and do this and they died mm. but Jesus is so secure in what he's called to do that that is not a pressure to him he loves the one in front of him. He had to go through, he needed to go through Samaria. He went across the Sea of Galilee to meet, to meet one guy. He went at the response of Jairus and yet had the, the ability to stop and love the one in front of him with the woman of the wish. But he didn't dismiss her. He, didn't, he, did, he took time out to minister to her and to love her, to be there for her. Because he knew actually I can do that and I can still go there and see that girl, which we read on. I'm not going to go through that, but we read on and he sees her raised from the dead. The point being that when we're following Jesus, when we're doing what he did, that kind of pressure, that kind of, that press of results, that press of I've got to do the right thing, that press of this is what has to be done almost starts to drift away eventually because we start to get to a point where we go look I'm going to follow you I'm going to do what you've called me to do I'm going to love the one in front of me knowing that if something else happens God you're more than able to see that that situation raised from the dead you're more than able to see that circumstance changed now I'm not saying we become dismissive of people no no don't, don't worry about it it'll change that's not what I mean but there's something about the way that Jesus went and ministered to people we all know those people who, when you talk to them, it's like you're the only person in the room. Mm. 
because of the way they make you feel, the way that they engage with you and ask you questions. He epitomized that more than anybody else. It was almost like he would say, right, my whole purpose of existence is to come and meet with you. That's what people felt about him. Right? That, that, that's what people drew to him because he just, the multitudes followed him, not because they were just one of the crowd, but because he would have made them feel, you matter. You matter. Because he wasn't caught up in results. He wasn't caught up in the fact, I've got to maximise my time. So what I'll do is I'll sail across the whole sea and meet with one guy. Because that's the best way to get results. He wasn't caught by that. He's like, this is what I've been called to do. I need to go through Samaria. I need to do this. I want to do this. That he's caught by something differently. He's caught by a heart for people. But we live in a society that's so... And I am massively guilty of this. But we live in a society where we're so pressed by results that we almost forget to just love the one in front of us. Or we love the one in front of us who brings the best return on our results. And we don't mean to. We're not horrible, callous people. We go, right, that'll be the most effective use of my time. But we just get sucked into it. Yeah, Jesus just loved the one in front of him, almost at risk of the results not being good enough. Mm. Almost at the risk of his popularity just diminishing and just dropping off. Almost at the risk of just being seen as, you went to Zacchaeus' house and had dinner with him? Are you kidding me? Because he just loved the one in front of him. He's just been with the poor and then goes with the guy who's made them poor. It's like, that doesn't make any sense from a results perspective. But it makes perfect sense from the fact I love you and I love you. I love the one that's poor and I love the one that's made you poor and I'll give my time to both of you. But from a results perspective, it makes no sense. I've either got to focus on the poor or the rich. I've got to focus on the, the certain religion or the non-religious. Jesus didn't do any of that. He's like, I just love the one in front of me. Okay, I've got a kid at school who doesn't just carry a knife. That's not the context of the kid at school. I've got a kid at school who, um, we do, we're doing some geography work and they're, <laughs> they're doing something called a proportional symbols map. And that basically means that you have, um, <laughs> teacher grandma just took eggs here, but you have different sized circles that represent different amounts of things. Okay, so we're doing a litter map. We went to Dovedale, collected some data about how much litter is in different places. And then if there's seven pieces of litter, they've got a certain size circle. If there's one piece, the circle's smaller. Okay, fairly straightforward. You didn't really need to know that, but I just thought I'd tell you anyway. Um, the point is, he has to cut these circles out. And he believes, and he may be a genius, he may be an idiot, I don't quite know which one it is. Um, but he believes that the best way to cut a circle out is to get a compass, first of all, to put dots around the edge of the compass, so then it pops out. Then he can neaten it up by cutting it out, okay? He could be some kind of, like, savant that's just kind of got this crazy new way of cutting stuff out. I looked at him like, what on earth are you doing? It's like, this is a better way of doing it. So I was like, it really, really isn't. But anyway, um, so he does this thing. Um, but the amazing thing is this. It, in it, God really spoke to me. Because, as he often does with stupid things like that, okay? We... Piece of paper, a small cut in a piece of paper. Okay, we think it doesn't mean anything. Jesus goes to the woman, sorry, to the Samaritan woman, and ministers to her because he needed to go through Samaria. He went to the guy who was demon possessed and only saw him set free and then left again. He he stopped for the woman with the issue of blood. He he went to Jairus's house and saw raised from the dead. He did these random things that were just dotted around everywhere. And there's layers to them, there's meaning to them, there's depth to them. And Sai will talk to you about all of that stuff at another time. But for now, 
he did these random things. It doesn't necessarily seem like a systematic process in what he's doing. It almost seems like things are just happening where he goes. And sometimes our lives feel like that. It's like, God, all I've done in the last whatever is pray for that one person. All I've done is serve food at Jesus' hope. All I've done is this. All I've done is this. And we think those things are small. We think those things don't matter. We think those things are not big enough because we live in a society that goes, you've got to have this to be determined successful in church. If you have not got these things happening, if you've not got this going on, then it's not successful. Because we live in society and it creeps into the church of results determine success. Now I'm not knocking results, we obviously want to, when we pray for people, see them made well. That's not what I mean. But our lives become about, I've got to have these things there and that determines success. Jesus didn't operate like that. Jesus had put to the side the fact, I don't, I'm not driven by results. I'm not driven by the success measure that people put on me. I'm driven by, it says in, in John 4, it says I'm driven by doing the will of my Father. The Jesus was caught by that. Jesus was caught by the fact, I'm just going to do what he is calling me to do. If that looks successful, brilliant. If it doesn't, don't really care. And, can you hold that for me? Uh. <laughs> okay, thank you. And what happens is this, okay? In the last two weeks, this is what's happened with us amongst the community, okay? We have obviously done our, our Jesus' Hope event, and we've seen families taken care of, okay? We've seen um, one of the lads who's really sure to be in the in the in the kind of kids group on a Saturday was in there for the whole time the other day, yesterday, and there and that, therefore his mum had forty five minutes just of her time. Okay, which is lovely. Um, we've then also had, last Sunday, we did our hampers, which in itself is fantastic, um, because we, there were, I think, about 500 and something items of food, 64 hampers, it's brilliant, okay? Um, but not only that, we also saw um, 32, 34? 34. 34 bars of soap become 66 bars of soap um, in that process of time. Okay, we start with 34, we had 64 bags, we got to the end and we had two bars of soap left. Okay, that, that doesn't make any sense. And every bag had soap in it. Okay, it wasn't like we're being stupid, not counting. Every bag had soap in it. Okay, um, and those things in themselves might seem small. I'm going to stab my hand in a minute and I can just feel it. Um, we also had a situation where Lydia's registration form came through the Monday after we prayed on the Wednesday? Yeah, okay. For her social work thing, which meant she could start work, which is fantastic. We also then, last Wednesday, I think, Jez, you said to us that your toe that had been bad had got better, okay? Uh, which is another thing. Um, my point is this. They're things. They're moments in themselves. They may not be things that we put on the front page of the newspaper. They may, I mean, they should be, but they're not. But they, they may be things that we could dismiss, small there may be things that we could say actually that doesn't matter or that that's okay it's great I'm really glad that's happening but it means that there's things happening and just like with Jesus though those things keep happening and they keep happening and I'm really going to cut my finger I can feel it just so I have to pray for my finger that can be another dot on the page um, and they happen and they happen and the more and more they happen like my crazy kid at school who thinks the best way to cut out a shape is to use a compass first it creates space around it and it creates this kind of this connection the, 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 these little as um, 
Evan Almighty calls it. These run is it Evan Almighty? These random acts of kindness or acts of random kindness. The, the, these small things, some of them might be massive, some of them might be someone raised from the dead, and that's great. But they, 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 these little pockets that are occurring in different places, they, these little pockets that are happening all over the place. And as they continue to happen, as they continue to break through, it's starting to create a bigger picture. It's starting to change a culture. It's starting to change society. It's starting to change and make something happen to the point where, it's not going to work right now because it's not pointy enough, but you start to see something break through. And suddenly you have a situation where it's not just small, random, thank goodness this is not being filmed, it's not just small, random things anymore, but it's, it, it's then heaven on earth. Because we break through. And we break through not in a, we call down heaven and heaven came, not knocking that at all. We don't break through in the sense that we see 5,000 people come to Jesus in a day. We break through by random moments, points where I need to go through Samaria, where we go across the sea to meet one guy, not because it's part of breaking through, but because that's what following Jesus is. Remember, following Jesus is about doing the kingdom, and the kingdom is about sowing seed. The kingdom's not about, I've established this massive building arrived in this massive thing. The king's about, this is what I've got, this is what I give away. This is the seed that I've got, this is the seed that I give. My prayer for today and for every day is that we take what's in our hands, not a knife. We take what's in our hands, okay? And we, we sow that and we give that. That we minister to the one in front of us and we love the one in front of us like they're the only person that's ever mattered. Because that's what Jesus did. And that's what he does with us. We know that feeling. You know that feeling when Jesus just comes and speaks. You're like, you just feel like the best thing in the world because he's spoken to you. And it's like, I matter. That's what breaking through is. And suddenly, in a neat way, not in a messy way like this necessarily, but suddenly those little random things cause heaven's culture to be in a space. But it's not the go up. I want heaven's culture. It's going to actually know, this is what you've given me. I'm going to do something with it. This is what you, gift you've given to me. This is what ability you've given to me. This is what you put in my hand. I'm going to do something with it. And it might not be grand. It might not make the front pages. It might not be all over Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You might not get a thousand likes because you did something. But do you know what? Jesus probably didn't. He probably had a thousand likes when he, when he did one thing and he probably got that angry face which is lovely um, when he did other things when he, when he ministered to the woman caught in adultery he probably had a thousand likes from people just like her but he had a lot of angry faces from the people that he, he stood up for so stood up against the point is not I'm liked or I'm not liked the point is not that's big or it's not big the point is nothing to do with that the point is this is what you've given me to do this is what I'll do because doing that changes the atmosphere doing that changes the culture and we hear so often the, the kind of expression world and good and faithful world and good and faithful so just want to turn there quickly just because Matthew 25 because that's what it is it's world and good and faithful servant well, well done for doing what I gave you to do well done not getting caught and Trish is going to talk about it in a few weeks maybe next week but well, well done not I'm not going to nick it Trish every time I speak I feel like I want to nick this okay I can't it's not about being caught with what they're doing and what they're doing. 
It's about going, this is what you've called me to do. If that looks fantastic to the world, it looks fantastic to the world. But you know what? That's not why I do it. I do it because it's what you gave me to do. If it looks rubbish to the world, and everyone thinks I'm just some kind of crazy lunatic has no idea what I'm doing, okay, that's fine. But you know what? I'll still do it. Because that's what you've called me to do. And, he, and he's freeing us from this sense of like, my results have to be the thing that dictates. There's an amazing thing, and this is a kind of a, um, <laughs> a perhaps a soapbox pet peeve of mine. But we talk so much, and I think I commented on Facebook last night, we talk so much about the education system in the, this country not working and we can't teach a fish to climb a tree and all that kind of stuff. And there's a brilliant video, if you've seen it, it's a fantastic video on that, and that, that's great. The fascinating thing to me is, though, it's still about, it's still about the monkey climbing a tree. Or the fish swimming. And people go, well, Finland's education system is amazing. So what Finland did, Finland didn't go, right, we're going to create an amazing education system that, that's going to be the best in the world. Okay? They are. They're now the best in the world. And there's this thing, if you don't know it, called PISA, or PISA, P-I-S-A, which is kind of like the test that's done across the world to say which education system is the best. Okay? And Finland come out top in maths, reading, and sciences. Okay? So they are, like, literally the top. There's an amazing quote in an article I read that says... Um, that they, they were surprised how good their education system was when that test was done. That tells you everything. Because that tells me that they weren't focused on making their education system the best from a results perspective. Their actual focus was to enable every kid to succeed in life. There's a few of the amazing things that, that, that they took away the kind of standardised testing that, that, that we live for in other places. And we want that taken away, but it means that therefore parents and councils and the kind of stuff can't go in and go, well, that's a good school, that's a bad school, that's a good school, that's a bad school. I'll send my kids to that good school. Because we want freedom and we want Finland's education system, but actually Finland's education system is against the very thing that we think is successful. But we look at it and go, well, they're, well they're, yeah, they're successful and I look at them and we want to be like them. But they're not bothered about the results. Their, their focus is not the results that we're focused on. Their focus is, I want to effectively love the kid that's in front of me and do whatever's possible to make that kid successful. That kid a- able to do life and be, and be great in life and, 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 and be a contributor to society. And just by chance, that system, lo and behold, makes us the most successful. But if we go for this first, we'll never get that. Because the kid in the system will just be, I need to get you to be there. Therefore, I've got to do whatever's possible to get you there. And it completely distorts the system. And it's just a fascinating thing for me because it's the same principle, isn't it? That if I go, I want to see you saved because then you'll come to our church and then our church will grow, that completely distorts the system. It's nothing to do with the person. At all, it's to do with the fact I want to look good. Whereas Jesus wasn't caught with that at all. We look and go, Jesus looked amazing. No, he didn't. There's points when he looked fantastic and, the, and there's points where we would have seen him and gone, you're a bit of a weirdo, aren't you? But we look with hindsight and go, Jesus, you're just amazing. He'd have annoyed us at points. He'd have frustrated us at different points because he wouldn't have done what we want him to do. Yeah. But what he did is he goes, well, I'm going to love the person in front of me. Whether that's in or out, whether that's good or bad, I'm going to love them. And that's what he's called us to do. And that, 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 that's what Matthew 25 talks about. It says... <laughs> And I'm not going to go into all of this because there is a whole load of other stuff here that so I can deal with later on. Um, but it says in verse 14, for when the kingdom of heaven is for, for, sorry, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man travelling to a far country who called his own servants and de- delivered his goods to them. 
And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. For each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. So already we would go in our perspective of what things are like. Why did one get five, one get two, and one get one? That's not fair. Do you not see straight away that the, 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 the way God perceives situations is completely different to us? Because we're focused on, well, five, two, and one, that's not fair. You can't have that, because that, that means one person's better than the other person. He doesn't even think like that. But we, we are so ingrained in going, that means that person with five is the best. That, that's not how he thinks. He goes, according to their ability, I, whatever that means, but we go, oh, he's the best, he's got the best ability. He doesn't even think like that. He, he's not focused on that way of doing stuff. He's like, what's the most effective way to love people? This is the best way to do it. And I'll do that. Anyway, I'm not going to go to that. I'll take a whole other avenue. Um, verse 16. Then he who had received the five, the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And, he, and likewise, he had received two, got two more. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid the Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he had received five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you you delivered to me five. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also received two talents, came and said to him, Look, I've got two more. He said the same thing, etc., etc. Verse 24. And then he had received the one talent, came and said, Now listen to what he says. This is important. Listen to what he says. Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground look there you have what is yours I'm not going to look at his response right now but I want you to catch something he thought look you're a hard man and therefore what you've given me I'm scared of messing up with it I'm scared of not getting a return on it because you're a hard man Therefore, I'm just going to dig it in the ground and make sure that it stays safe and I'll be able to return that at least to you. Whereas the other guys went and said, look, I'm going to invest the five you've given me. Do something with the five you've given me and hope that that brings me something back. It might not have done. It did in this story, but what if it didn't? What if it didn't work? What, what if he bought, put the five in and the investment didn't work and it fell apart? And it, and it wasn't something that returned on them. The results weren't there. I still believe he'd have gone, I'm glad you did something with it. Because he said, well done, good and faithful servant. I've been, what you've had with little, I'll now entrust you with a lot. Stewardship of what God's given us is not keeping it safe. It's not like going, right, I'll make sure no one gets this. I'll make sure that it's taken care of. Stewardship of our finances, of our time, is not saying, right, I'll just keep all this stuff back because that's a good steward. Stewardship of our time, our finances, of our giftings, of our everything we are and everything we have is going, right, I'm going to find the person to love with it. That's what stewardship is. And when we do that, there's a return on it. And that, that's what he sees as faithfulness. Faithfulness is going, right, this is what I've given you. Just go and do something with it. Don't hide it in the ground. Don't bury it. Don't think, well, it's not as, it's not, you you can imagine, this is going beyond scriptures, I don't mean to kind of do that, but just, but think about this, right, how disappointed would I feel, Luda's given five, Luke's given two, I'm given one, in my way of thinking at the minute, I'd be like, well, I'm not as good as them, I'm not going to bother, Mm. may not be you, but that, (laughs) I know, I know me, and that's what I'd do, and therefore I probably wouldn't have the same motivation to go, I'm going to do something with this, because it's not as much as them, and therefore they must be better than me, so therefore I'll let them do it, and I'll just keep what I've got safe, because it's not, it's not good enough, it's, 
doesn't make a difference. I can't, I've not seen thousands of people healed. I've not seen thousands of people brought to Jesus. I've not seen this happen or that happen or that happen. So I'm just gonna, I'm not going to bother. I'll just come along and I'll just tick along and I'll keep it safe. But when Jesus comes back, I'll just go, oh, there you go, you got back what you gave to me. But he doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to go, right, you gave me one. With that one, with that thing I had, with that five loaves and two fish, with this thing I've got, with the small thing I've got, I'm just going to go and give it. I'm just going to go and sow it. It might be that I, it just means I go and just talk to somebody at work, listen to somebody at work, okay? And we remove the word just because I go and listen to somebody at work. I go and talk to somebody at work. I'll do with what you've given me what I can. And people may think it's pathetic. People, people may think it's stupid, but I'm going to do something with it. And it starts to, in a much more neat way than this, those little random things. Those things we do with what we've given starts to this happen. And therefore it starts to break through. And suddenly you're in a situation where heaven is breaking through in a city. Because we are going, right, okay, I'll do with what you've given me. It may never get the worldwide acclaim of a super powerful evangelist who's seen thousands of people come to Jesus. But you know what? I love the people in front of me. And I'll do it the very best that I can. And I love them with my time. And I love them with my money. I love them with my words. I love them with everything I possibly got. I love them in front of me. There might be one person. But you know what? That one person. Like Jesus' hope, if one person comes for the next six years, one person's going to be flipping loved because they're going to be there for the next six years. So I mean, because it's not about... It's not about numbers. It's about going, right, this is what you've called us to do. We'll love the one in front of us. Hmm. If he says, don't do that anymore, we won't do it anymore. But he's telling us to do that. Therefore, whatever, whoever comes, they get loved. And they get loved with the same fullness as if a hundred people were in the room. Because that's what Jesus does. And that's what following Jesus is. (coughs) The amazing thing is, is he's starting to make pockets in. And when we start to recognise those little things, that 34 soap turned to, th- turned to 66, mm. when a toe got healed, when a registration document came through, yeah. when, a, when a boy who hasn't been able to sit still in, it, in a Jesus Hope thing sat through yeah. a whole kids' work thing, when we start to recognise those things, that's being faithful. Because mm. that's him going, look, have you noticed? Have you seen? Are you going to protect and look after and cherish that thing there? Because you know if you are, then I'm going to bring another five in because we're going actually that we, we value that so much Jesus thank you so much for turning 34 soap into 64 thank you so much for doing that thank you so much for helping that, that young boy sit quietly we're so thankful for that thank you so much for that registration coming through thank you so much for that toe being healed thank you so much for those things we're so appreciative of those things and not in a kind of like a flippant way like I've got to say thank you because if I don't then nothing else will come but like a genuine like help me catch Jesus how significant that is help me see that whatever the small thing I start with is you take that thing and make it more than enough I'm going to finish, but one other thing. You may not have seen it, one other thing. Feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000. Two accounts in scripture with Jesus feeding them. Anyone know when they fed the 4,000 how many loaves and fish he started with? Sorry? When he fed the 4,000 people. We know the 5,000, he actually fed a 4,000 and a 5,000 people. When he fed the 4,000 people, anyone know how many fish and loaves he started with? Seven loaves, okay? And some fish. Absolutely that. Seven loaves and some fish, okay? When you fed the 5,000, how many? Twelve. Five loaves, two fish. Five loaves, two fish, okay? So, five loaves, two fish, 
5,000 people fed and 12 basket force left over. Seven loaves and some fish, 4,000 people le- fed and seven basket pools left over. When he started with less, more were fed and there was more left over. When he started with more, less were fed and less was left over. The way he sees things is completely different from the way we see things. He sees, actually, it may look small, but look at what I can do with it. Look at what I can do with it. I can do more than enough with what you've given me. We may think, well, what I've got in my hands isn't enough, God. Watch what he does with it. All I can do is have a conversation with him. Okay, watch what he does with it. Watch what happens when we're just faithful to do what we can do. Watch what he goes and does with it. Because it will just blow our minds. And there'll be so much left over. So much abundance that we just think, how on earth does that come from this? Because that wasn't enough. I didn't have enough. It's going, you had more than enough. Because what you had, you gave to me. Look at what I did with it. What you had, you loved that person in front of me with it. Look what I did with it. So my encouragement is, this week, know that what you have, who you are, is more than enough. It's more than enough. And it will, it, it will see, when we love the one in front of us, it will see their life, others' lives, transform. We may never see the result of it, but we're faithful to do what God's given us to do. We're faithful to love those ones in front of us. So Jesus, help us to be bountiful in the way that we see situations. Help us to see the abundance in situations, even when we, it doesn't look like it. Because you see from a completely different perspective than we see. Help us to see like you see. <laughs> help us to be faithful with what you've given us, like, like, like you were when you were. To help us just be caught with the fact that my food is to do the will of my Father. Help us to be caught with those things, being changed in the way that we think, changed in the way that we perceive situations. That we would be people who are caught with, I love the one in front of me, I love the one in front of me, I love the one in front of me. Knowing that actually one day we might just be like Finn and go, oh, I was quite surprised that it's that good. As opposed to thinking, let's make it that good. We're just surprised at the result. We're surprised at what happens as a result of it. But let, let us not be caught with the result. Let, let us be caught with the person, the people in front of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, have a good week, everybody. Thank you, Steve.